Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 299. Yep. We were not around the table last week. We were visiting the new Tri-City Church out in Port Coquitlam, and we have Matt Glezos around the table with us today. That's right. Yes, I am here. It was great to have everyone come visit. Is it Glezos? It is Glezos. That's right. Yeah, so he he maligned you. Did I I get that wrong? Slightly, but I... It's, it's not here to, it's not about the Glezos. It's about okay. other, it's about Hey guys, stuff. I'm here. Oh, oh right. Andy, Andy's, Andy's here, here too. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for piping in, Andy. <laughs> but and we were out at the, the yeah. I was not there because my wife surprised me with an evening in um, Vancouver. So oh, I apologize for that. That's fine. But yeah, a trip to Port Coquitlam at that point wasn't <laughs> what I wanted to do. <laughs> All right. I'll take that. No, it was, uh, it was great. It was uh, the Northview staff yeah. came out to visit and, uh, and just pray over things there. We're actually starting um, renovations this coming Saturday, the building work day. Uh, we're going to tear out all the carpet. We're going to, there's a lot of furniture that has been accumulating. We're going to get rid of that. And Do you need, you need people to come out and help with that? We do. Like yeah. If you have two hands, a pulse. That's right. And maybe part of a brain. You yes, can do this. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there are some more skilled work. We're going to take out some walls, but there's a lot of just things that need to be carried. We're going to have a big 40 foot bin. And so uh, there's info uh, up on uh, the website, tricitychurch.ca with times and everything. Basically be in the morning on Saturday. And we would love to have a whole bunch of people out. Um, because then on Monday, the, the crew is going to come in and start the actual <coughs> renovation. So we're just, we're getting it ready and, uh, it's, it's good to get, finally get started. Actually. I've always thought I'd be gifted at breaking things. Mm. Well, there will be a sledgehammer. With I your would name like on a it. jackhammer. I, I don't know if we oh. need one, but if, if it'll get you there, Jeff, we'll have a jack- jackhammer. It'll be something. I've, you know, I've worked on uh, on a job site with Andy in oh. Thailand this where Andy true. was Andy, whose who's building experience extends to, what, uh, treehouse building, doesn't it? It does. Um, and he was rebuilding the portion of, actually, a man's house that looked very much like a treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> it did, actually. Was this the, we were working on the roof, weren't we? No. Well, the roof was horrible, but the floor was even worse. Yeah. And the man was nearly falling through That's into right. the pomp there. Uh, that, that was quite the experience. Yeah. Jeff pretty much stood there and watched no, no, as no. I sweated my face <laughs> off. Uh, uh, well, I'm not really skilled at swinging the hammer. <laughs> uh, I was good though at uh, digging the holes. Where we were in Thailand, there was uh, it, it was it's built. This place is built on the top of a trash dump. Yeah, and it's so a like swampy. Yeah, we had to dig down in order to find Marsh. footings for the for the uh, for the poles that go into the ground to hold That's the house right. up and. Every time you dug down, you just went through another layer of of trash, and then I had ants crawling all up my leg and stuff, and that was pretty much my indication. I remember that, I'm that. Done. <laughs> he stood in one spot too long, and the ants went up his leg. It was great. So <clears throat> there probably won't be as many ants this coming Saturday. Right. But. By the way, uh, out the Tri Cities Church, uh, Daniel, my intern, found two of my <coughs> favorite books I think I've ever seen. Uh, one was titled, um, why can't, uh, oh, picking and being a winner. Yeah. Picking and being a winner. Uh, if God Ooh. loves me, why doesn't my locker open? Yeah. Pick, picking and being and, a winner. That's and why song. doesn't God give out cash prizes? Yeah. If God loves me, why am I not winning <laughs> cash prizes? <laughs> now that's all from the uh, former church's library. Oh, I don't know if it's the former church's <laughs> library. <laughs> <laughs> We will be sorting through. We'll be keeping some items. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, come in. <laughs> Maybe you can find yourself that's a, right. some treasure. 
Yes, very much. Yes. Well, this last weekend, Jeff was preaching in Abbotsford here, and he was preaching on Matthew 28, the resurrection of Jesus. And we had a question come in in regards to one part of Jeff's sermon. It has to do with playing sports in heaven. Amen. Yes. And the question is along the lines of, so if we're going to play sports in heaven, what kind of sports are we going to be playing? Are there going to be winners and losers? Because if we're perfect, how can that be? It's all cricket all the time. Oh, man. I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> um, first of all, you know, I get whenever I whenever I talk about uh, the resurrection body and I make the point that it's physical, this seems to be a bit surprising to some people. And I shouldn't say that people would like nod to, oh, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I guess physical. But then when you carry on and say, so if we have physical bodies, that then we will. And you fill in the blank with something that physical people do, like garden or uh, hike mountains or play a sport mm. or wh- whatever, um, they will, or eat. They, they're, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can you give me proof for that? And I'm, I'm always a little bit thrown off because I'm like, well, wait a minute. You'd have to give me proof if it, the body is not, is physical. You'd have to give me proof that physical bodies don't do that stuff. Because all of my experience in my life has been that physical people do sports, physical people do eating, physical people. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think the burden of proof is on the side of the person who is saying, well, we're not going to do that in heaven. And mm. and I can understand, by the way, the sports part. I can understand people saying, well, you're not going to do that because competition is necessarily, they might have to argue, competition is necessarily a bad thing because it turns out winners and losers. But I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I actually think you can have competition and have winners and losers as long as those people don't put their person and their value tied to winning and losing. Right. I mean, I've lost plenty of games in my life that have not mattered in the sense that I'm not, you know. You're not crushed. Not crushed by it. Because it seemed that you'd somehow need to somehow tie sin right. as a part of winning or losing. Well, that's right. I don't think winning and losing is sinful, inherently sinful. I just think that it, it, what's sinful about it is that when I win, I think I'm more important than the person I just beat. Right. And I don't think that will happen. Well, see, this because I was thinking about it, actually, when you're preaching, I was thinking, you know, when we talk about heaven, we're, we're talking about right relationship with God and each other. And I think that you can have healthy competition <coughs> and remain in right relationship with God and each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also, I mean, I'm stressing the physicality of it. And so I'm, I agree with you. I'm just, anything that physical bodies do here, uh, I would think unless we have explicit, um, indication that we would not. Right. So like one of the questions that we would have to have is, will we have sexual relations in heaven? I, I don't think so because there's no marriage, but that that's, that's because I have, I have evidence to right. suggest Jesus said that. There will, people won't be given in marriage or whatever. So I don't think that that will be the case. Um, but I, I have no evidence or reason to suggest that we wouldn't play sports. I don't have any evidence to suggest that we wouldn't, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, run, Well, I think garden, about even eating, right? Build. Would you say then when you're eating, you know, that something tastes better than something else? I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have this idea when we say, oh, that's heavenly, right? There's this idea that, oh, it is the absolute perfection of sure. strawberry ice cream or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and so to me, though, I, I don't know how having a differing of flavor or something, you know, what I mean, that, that that would be inherently sinful or wrong or 
Yeah. Do, 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 am I making sense? Yeah, I think you might have different desires. Like, I, I don't know if you'll like every flavor in heaven. I have no idea. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I, I wouldn't Because cilantro, think I think, would still be disgusting <laughs> even in heaven. Even in heaven. You're talking about cilantro is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Andy there. I think that would be... Uh, right, well. No, spice. but you know what I mean? One of the thorns, isn't it? I think, I believe there so. There would be some things that I don't know if you, maybe you, you like. You, I, I just, I think preference is part of being human. Right. And I think that it's okay for you to like some things and not others. But again, that's not inherently sinful. It's not bad. It just makes us individuals. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you're going to have to like every food or everything like that. But I, I certainly think that we should, the, the line of thinking our mind should be going down when we think about heaven is the physical line of thinking that it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of similarity. There will be differences. When you read 1 Corinthians 15, you realize that there, is, there, are, there are differences, right? It's mm-hmm. imperishable. And Jesus' resurrection body itself was clearly able to go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, will ours? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps. Um, will we see in the same kind of color spectrum we do now? I, I don't know. I imagine that perhaps we'll see, we'll see more in that, in that regard. Because uh, there are, I mean, there are... The way that the heavenly city is described is as streets or whatever, but then some people have said it's a cube. So you might be, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that should be taken literally, that language, uh, except to, to evoke the idea of perfection, right? A cube mm-hmm. is more perfect than, than just a square. Mm-hmm. So I don't, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what to say about all those, but I think that there's a consonance between our, our physical bodies now and the physicality then, because Jesus' resurrection body had feet, had hands, had that you could touch. He ate food, right? He talked with people while he walked along a road, right? Yeah. Why do you think people resist, or what, do you think it's just the idea that you're you're, you're trivializing heaven? Then is that, is that the pushback? That no. well, wait a second, or well, one of the points I was making in my sermon is that the, like for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, I I mentioned the Gnostics. Mm-hmm in the early Christian church. And the Gnostics, of course, had a viewpoint that was derived from Greek philosophy. And the, the Greeks, you know, from Plato on down, that their viewpoints were largely that the immaterial is better than the material. And the material stuff is just like inherently not good. It's, a, it's, it's not as good as the form, right? right. Like the form is the perfection and yeah. kind of the shadow of it. Right. And so I, I, as a result, the physical bodies, two ways you can go with that. Uh, one of the ways is if you don't if you don't think the physical body is important at all, you can either be, you can either become ascetic, meaning that you don't give it anything, or you can become a hedonist where you just give it whatever because you know the body's the body Who cares just feed it like your dog. It doesn't matter either way. Um, I think that the Christian Church for ages has has delved into this has always kind of privileged the spiritual over the material. I think we do today in lots and lots of settings. I think that we, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so one of the ways we do that is we sing songs uh, about about what's going to happen when we die, and that's why I brought up I brought up the the song "I'll Fly Away," which is an old hymn, which is partly true because when you die, you you will go to some disembodied place that we call in the intermediate state, but that's not where you're going to stay. I wish the song ended with "and then I'll fly back," <laughs> do, do you know? Because the great Christian hope is yeah. is a physical body on a new heaven in a new heaven a new earth. Don't you think some of this, Jeff, is kind of from the Enlightenment and and Descartes' dualism that we've got this body and soul, and over the years we've just given more credence to the soul than to the body as well? Yeah, I just think that there's been this—my point here is that there's been a stream of thinking in the Christian church for years 
that that the soul is more important than the body. We hear I hear more it all real. the time, and I mean even these days that the the real you is what's inside your your skin is just a cage or just a right. a, a shell, mm-hmm. and that's just not a Christian mm-hmm. viewpoint. And there are a lot of Christians these days who would who would choose um, to cremate. And I understand the reasons that they do that would be because financial. I think a lot of people just do it for finances and so without thinking about it. But, you know, like cremation, if you read the scriptures, you would not come to the conclusion that cremation is what you would do with a body because you recognize that God God cares about the body. He's going to actually resurrect that body and he's, it's going to be renewed. And can God resurrect a body that's been cremated? Yes, of course he can. And gathering the, the dust from all the earth is not difficult for him. But I don't know if you would naturally be led to cremation in the same way a Hindu would, which is why they do it, or a Sikh. And so my my point is, we just have, for a long, long time, especially in modern days, we tend to denigrate the the body. We talk about the earth being blown up and and going in fire and stuff. And I just, that's just not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is a physical body. And, and that has huge implications on a whole bunch of levels. Isn't that the interesting part, too, about the women going back to the tomb? What were they doing? Well, they were preparing Jesus' body because what the Jews did is they allowed these bodies to rot in these, these uh, graves so that they could collect the bones eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that's how these graves were used. I mean, this grave belonged to somebody else, right, from the Sanhedrin, and he's loaning it to them for Jesus so that— Jesus' flesh can rot off in there. They can take the bones, put them into an ossuary, and this is what the Jews did. You yeah. kept those bones until God would resurrect them. By the way, I, I uh, have it's you interesting seen? that the I mean, so just yeah. a little along those lines. The you know, if you read the Old Testament, so for example, you, you know the bone, the bones of is it Jacob, the ones that were kept and yeah moved back. Jo- Joseph or was Joseph. Yeah, yeah. When Joseph was there, the, the bones of Jacob come come mm-hmm. with them. Uh, like that's exactly right. That's the way that they they viewed it. That the the physical stuff mattered. See, if, like if you're just a duelist there, you're like, well, who cares where the bones are? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make what a difference. They're just dumb bones. But that's not the way that Christian and or that people of God have viewed things. There was a re- in, in the Old Testament. The, what they wanted is to be in the land, physical right. land, experiencing physical bliss and. There a lot of young people That's how you these days, right? Yeah, well, a lot of young people these. This this has huge implications in lots and lots of different places. But one of the big ones is that I don't actually think that the vision that we give our kids these days for heaven is something that they really want. So we we end up telling them stuff like, "Well, don't be worldly," or we don't use that language anymore. But we mean, "Oh, well, you know, in heaven, we're not gonna you're not gonna be tied to a cell phone or have the." And I, my answer is, "Well, really, why not?" I don't understand why why cell phones wouldn't be something that people in the new earth wouldn't want or make or whatever. <clears throat> Especially iPhones. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, they, they're tools made by people who are culture makers who are made in the image of God and can be used for good and ill. Uh, in heaven, they'll be used for good in all ways. Uh, they'll be used for good. And I can imagine uh, battery powered cars or things that we haven't even dreamt of at this point, because God made us as culture makers. He's made us as people who are developing. We, we, we are in his image in the sense that we are also creative. So what was started in the garden, the mandate there given, which was interrupted by the fall or, or twisted, is going to be yeah. reinstated. We're going to go and do what we we're supposed to do uh, perfectly, create, yes. build, 
have artistic expression, have all the all the gifts that we've been given with in terms of right. creative impulse. Yes, but express them <coughs> perfectly to the glory of God as we should have. Absolutely. Yeah. Which means I think you're going to be able to water ski on a lake uh, somewhere in in Switzerland, right? I don't know if it's going to be called Switzerland, but maybe it will. But the you know international relations will not be what they are today. Right. It won't be any protected. It's the kingdom of God. All mm-hmm. of it. And on that, ex- Matt, what you're saying, expressed perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think what we're saying there is lived out in right relationship, right? Right. Because uh, I think that ultimately that's what we're we're coming back to with regards to this idea of sin. I think people have, have broadened that idea of sin onto things that are, are neither, like we mentioned already before, are neither sinful nor non-sinful. Yep. Um, by the way, have any of you guys seen the movie Risen? No. No. Yeah, we saw it. Last yeah, we year, saw the young adults did a um, film and theology on it, did we not? Yeah, and it, was, it was great. One of the things I really liked about that film is they highlight this idea of the physicality of Jesus. Mm. And that every time he disappears, they go looking for him and they yell <coughs> out for him, Jesus, you know, where are you? And, and, and they were there, this idea that they didn't think of him as this figment, that it wasn't this, um, they weren't imagining this, they weren't hallucinating, they they understood that they were dealing with a physical Jesus, and so each time he was gone, they were looking for that physical Jesus, I thought was quite uh, quite intuitive, quite Is creative. it a good movie? It's a fantastic movie. I loved it. How long has it been out? Risen? Yeah. Uh, it's been out, what, for two years? I Yeah, about that. I think, uh, you know, there's a couple scenes that I thought were a little cheesy yep. at the beginning and end. And In a Christian movie? I know, right? But other than that, I thought the movie was fantastic. <laughs> so we should give a few plaudits at this point uh, in terms of Christian movies that the, for the first time ever, a Christian film has received a fresh rating on RottenTomatoes.com. Really? Or the Which first time ever. One? When I say Christian film, I mean from the same filmmakers who've made all these different ones. It's the case for Christ has come oh. out and has actually received a certified fresh rating on which means that uh I think uh 60% of those who are reviewing it on uh, Rotten Tomatoes say it's a good movie it's worth watching which and even the ones who don't like it have been relatively positive about the film and this is co- this film is coming from the same people who did God's Not Dead and all those other ones that really got trashed in the past and so I don't know if this is a corner that's been turned, but they've said, look, this is actually a really well-made film that's a little more thoughtful than, than all the other ones that they've done. So, wow. I don't know. Yep. Maybe, we're, maybe we're kind of getting to the point where Christian filmmaking is taking, people are taking it a little bit more seriously. I don't mm-hmm. know. I definitely think there's been an increase in terms of everything about those movies, production value, writing, uh, even acting, I think is... We pulled it up better, here. Better. It looks like it's yeah. got a 77. Uh, 77%. Ooh. Fresh. Not bad. So. Along those lines, audience score is eighty-four. Mm. Jeff, you touched on the women being the first to be introduced or given the report of a risen Jesus as one of the evidences why we can trust uh, the biblical account. I'm just wondering if there's some other evidences that give credence to the historical fact of the resurrection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the rise of the Christian church is probably that what, what you have to do with the what you have to do with the when you're trying to evaluate whether the resurrection actually happened is that uh, you don't even really need the scriptures to try to demonstrate that something 
something took place because what you have to count for historically is is the rise of the Christian Church, the lack of um, the, the lack of turncoats, meaning that the people who claimed that they saw it did not recant, even under the threat of death. So we have extra biblical evidence that these people died, and there's some traditions about well how they died and whatever, but we don't have any evidence that the people who died, who are eyewitnesses, actually turned back. We just don't we don't have it. And you know, th- just to highlight just the uniqueness of this uh, in comparison to another world religion, we're not talking about somebody saying, hey, you know, God's revealed himself to me, follow me kind of thing. We're talking about a religion that is built on historical fact, right? This is, mm. this is a, a historical um, event that the Christian church is based on, which is very unique. Yeah. So uh, all, all I'm saying is that w- in, order, in order to you know, judge what happened. You have to come, you have to explain what took these, uh, what, what took these Jewish men and some women, but what took these Jewish men from being afraid of the death of Jesus. Okay. And made them into the kind of people who would not recant. And that would cause this Christian church to grow and grow and grow and grow. The, the one that gets me on that note, Jeff, is that you've taken, you're talking about a group of people who went from, just on a slightly different angle, that went from hating the Romans yep. to embracing the Romans. Yeah, historically, I mean, the, the challenge that you have is the options that you're going to end up putting forward for this are, are going to end up being like, okay, well, it was a lie. And that's the th- part of the thing that I, I'm engaging when I'm saying, well, okay, but why would they make, why, why would they use women as the first reporters in the first century? Well, because they wanted to make it sound plausible. You have to understand that's anachronistic. Like it's people from the 21st century looking back and saying, mm-hmm. well, that would somehow lend credence to it. This was an immediate way to get the, get people not to listen. <laughs> okay. So they reported it as, as, as women. Uh, they, uh, th- there are a series, I mean, a series of other things that, that are included in these, like, like, like I said this weekend that there are, uh, Various reports that share a commonality, but there's difference in detail, which is evidence of eyewitness accounts. Richard Bauckham actually wrote a great book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses that goes through a lot of this sort of material. And his point in the end is, look, there's, you have to deal with the fact these eyewitnesses saw it, that they never recanted, that the church grew as a result of it. So, it's, I mean, the idea of it being a lie is just off the table. Most people who are, who are, who are really well-versed in these issues... We'll end up saying, well, it's not a lie. It actually just was a legend that developed over time. So they have to separate the writing of the Gospels from the events by a good hundred years or so. The, the problem is the dating of the Gospels these days is so near the yeah. time of, of these events that, I mean, it's not even difficult to show. I know... Um, just yeah, it just doesn't work. There are several authors. Andy, I'm looking at you because yeah. um, he we we even have name? evidence of what's of his name fragments. who came to us just uh, a year ago. Two years Craig ago. Evans and or Gary Habermas. Gary Habermas, who's written yeah. on the resurrection extensively, has tried to do the dating and shown. Look, this is just not even a. These guys are, and their arguments have not been very early. Have not been trashed by by people. They've they've largely been accepted these days by by people. Yes, mo- portions of the New Testament were written within I think five years of these events, and so I. 
So it, it, just to push that point, it's not it, long, not long enough for a legend to develop. Sorry, that was my point. It's just not long enough for a legend to develop without having eyewitnesses there to check check you on it to say, hey, wait, that's not what happened. Anyway, yeah, you would need much, much more time, right? Because the the problem is the people who saw the event were still alive and yep. they could challenge what you're writing. Let alone, why would you even do that? But uh, one of the ones that gets me, one of the evidence that I've always found really impressive is that you've got Jesus' family thinking he's crazy, particularly I'm talking about his brother, brothers. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you get that, where you got James, the brother of Jesus, that goes from thinking he's crazy to putting his faith in his brother, believing that he's the Son of God raised from the dead. And Josephus, a first century historian, tells us that James died for that belief by being stoned to death in AD 62. Yeah. I, how you know what would it take you to be convinced that your brother was the son of God? Well, so people will say, "Oh, he's just crazy or loony or whatever." There's just so many. I mean, the, halluc- the, the hallucination argument is just—it's not plausible. The idea that all these people who saw—but they somehow got to do that for a lot of people. I know mass hallucinations don't happen, and the way they describe seeing Jesus, the touching of him—it just doesn't doesn't work. My point is that all of the options that have been tried, the reason that the Christian church is still standing over after so many years is because all the options that are given to you just don't make any sense. And the more we know about it, the the less the options work, except for the, to believe that he actually rose from the dead. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you have to believe in Jesus as the son of God or whatever, but it should lend some level of credence to what he did say prior to what happened. Well, because right? interesting, we have a uh, an Orthodox Jew historian by the name of Lapiz that believes that Jesus was raised from the dead, but he still hasn't put in his faith in Christ. He just thinks God raised Jesus from the dead. Right, but I just think that I, it really is the only, well, not the only reasonable, but it is the most reasonable assessment of all the data is to say he, he, he rose from the dead. This And Andy made the point earlier that I think is really important here is that Christianity's effort separates itself from all other world, all other world religions in that we're not saying that Jesus rose again in someone's heart. We're not saying that it's some feeling you're supposed to have, although there are feelings involved because of the power of the Holy Spirit and his involvement. But we, we're saying that actually Christianity is is a matter of fact. It's a, que- it's a question of history, of dates and times and places. This is why when Luke writes his gospel, he goes out of his way to say, hey, Jesus was born in the days of Caesar Augustus. Right, he gives you like timestamps yep, throughout this, so that you can go back and check his work. Right, they, there, there's special uh, pieces of information as you go through the Gospels that are only eyewitness would tell you, like Jesus, like the ear of the high, of the of the soldier, or the right ear of the soldier was cut off. Right. Like, why is it the right ear? This isn't the kind of, that kind of detail is not the kind of thing that somebody <laughs> who hasn't seen the event. Sees. If, when, if I'm you're making when, it up, you're not going to do that because it can be challenged historically. Right. And he, they mention names of people uh, and even give kind of like their 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 address. They're so-and-so of such and such a town, son of so-and-so. Like you could go in their house, knock on their front door and say, did this happen? So my my point is that, that, that you don't when you read the Book of Mormon, that's not what you get. You're not getting that at all. In fact, if you put the Book of Mormon up to the historical test, you end up realizing, wait a minute, all these supposed Jews who came and landed in the central part of the Americas ended up populating the American continent. That's That didn't happen. Right. But all of this other stuff is very historically verifiable. You can actually see I mean, archaeology has helped us. It's, it's, it's actually quite remarkable how mm-hmm. much power is in the evidences 
around all this. Um, and so every Easter, I almost feel like the it's the, the the resurrection is an important thing that took place for our faith, but it's a fact that took place for our faith. And so, as somebody who considers considers himself a little bit intellectual, I, I this is like to me my the wheelhouse for me. Like I'm not not that I'm an expert on it, but I'm just saying like. If you end up pushing me and pushing me and pushing me about a lot of things in the Bible and questions and stuff, I end up retreating back ultimately to, well, look, here's the deal. This guy, this Jesus who did all this stuff, he said he would rise from the dead and he did. And then he appeared to all these other people. So what he believes then about the Old Testament and stories in it and stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with him. Uh, and what he says about the nature of reality, I'm going to side with him. Which is what uh, Peter does in Acts chapter 2. He says, look, Jesus was endorsed by God in the miracles that he did, and now look what happens. He, I mean, the guy's executed for blasphemy, and what and what happens, God gives his endorsement of, G, of Jesus' claims through the resurrection. He defeated death. Yeah. Uh, like, this is the message Peter preaches over and over again. Yeah, and there's that one, I mean, there's, I've said this before in a couple <laughs> sermons, but you know... We're faced in the modern world with listening to a bunch of people who don't, who who are postulating about what happens after one dies, right? So, so we have all these folks who make movies and are in in the public square and who are in universities saying when one dies, that's all there is, and these are all people who haven't died, and yet you have the testimony from one who I can. I think I can historically and verifiably demonstrate died and rose again, who's come back, right? And who has declared, no, this is what happens. And in fact, I am this person. And I've, as as you said, Andy, that's been verified by God. I mean, it's God's stamp of approval on him. And what he said is this resurrection. I'm sorry. I'm just going to, I'm going to say I think I should believe him. The guy who's gone beyond death and come back, I'm going to listen to the, that guy. And I don't mean just like a near-death experience thing. I mean like days later, cold dead body out of the tomb, verified by many, many people who saw him. After, I, just, I just Don't you think one of the issues, though, is, is we've come to the point where facts themselves are, are no longer uh, – people don't embrace them. So, so when you say that this is a fact – uh, I think we're in a generation where that doesn't, you know, it's it's not that I want to find the right facts if, to base my life on. It's it's more that I'm not I'm not really sure how much weight that that holds for me. And so now all of a sudden the conversation shifts and everyone's treading water. I think that's a challenge yeah. is for us to be able we can point historically, but for many people, the eyes glaze over, not even just, and I don't have the intellectual capacity to get there, but it just doesn't bear any weight for me. I think that's a real challenge for us. Well, they'll hide behind the, the thought that, well, it, maybe it did happen. Maybe it didn't happen. I'm not sure because I can go on the internet and find right. somebody who disagrees with you who's got a PhD as well. Uh, and so that will be the rationale behind it. Well, I don't really need to, whatever. I'm just going to do what I want in the end. This is what ends up happening yeah. when in postmodern epistemology, the idea that, you know, everybody, you can't really know any ultimate truth. And so you end up retreating behind to what you feel. And yeah, that's what we're at these days. That's, mm-hmm. and then of course, with the fake news going on all around and you can't really trust the sources that are being given to, to you. This just adds more credence to the idea that, well, these guys are probably trying to dupe somebody. And I don't know, I don't really want to work hard enough to actually mm-hmm. discover it. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, behind behind all of the rejection of the evidences is this heart that's turned against God. Right. And in the end, that's really what needs to happen in the lives of people. Because, I mean, that's the idea of faith. I mean, you can have all sorts of evidence, the same evidence. You can still have a hung jury. I mean, at the end of the day, right, people mm-hmm. have to come to the conclusion. I mean, can you even be convinced that that Jesus was who he was claiming to be? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people who would say, well, no, I, I, I just refuse to believe. And that's why we need to we pray for the work of the Spirit of God yep. yeah. to bring, to give them eyes to see. That's yeah. how many of us have have heard, uh, or, or we're at times in our life where we, we heard the gospel, we heard the truth and, and rejected it, and then something changed. And the thing that changed wasn't us first, it was it was God. It was it was the Spirit of God working, which which is the encouraging part, which is the part I think for all of us that why we keep talking, why we keep sharing all of this, is that we know that it's, it's not in vain where God is at work. And even this Easter weekend, I think that's, I mean, that's our prayer coming out of it. Many people came, maybe heard all this for the first time, heard your arguments. Some probably went away saying, "Ah, I got, like you said, there's other guys who disagree. But but there are some who maybe have been many times before. And yet this, we pray this Sunday, this Easter Sunday, they said, ah, something. And I want to go, I want to hear more. And they're drawn. And that's. Yeah, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for answering those questions. And uh, we will have you back with us next week hopefully listeners for episode 300 enjoy your week john what are you planning for our 300th are you are you gonna do nothing at all we're just gonna sit here we're like planning this? we're planning something it's called the men's conference we have a men's conference coming up <laughs> in a couple 5th. of weeks <laughs> actually may 4th and 5th may 5th 6th may 5th 6th yeah and there's a women's conference this week retreat. Yes. Women's retreat. Retreat. My, retreat. my wife is looking forward to it yep yep so You can find out all that information online, northview.org. Thanks for listening. Peace out.